0: Red Barn Radio Roots Music Southern Style
1: I was born In the mountains Way back in the hills I lived there With mom and daddy And I guess It made me want to stay There was love in the mountains It gets sweeter every day There was love in the mountains. It gets sweeter every day. There was love.
0: Hello, glad to have you with us for Red Barn Radio. I'm Bradford Becker. We continue in the 22nd season of Red Barn Radio. And tonight, we welcome you to show number 840. Eight, four, zero. Mr. Gary Brewer was raised in Louisville, Kentucky. His grandfather, Finley J. Brewer, Sr., performed with the Carter family. And his father, Finley J. Brewer, Jr., a.k.a. Jim Brewer, has played music since 1950. Gary formed the infamous bluegrass group, the Kentucky Ramblers, in 1979-80. Released in 1995, Brewer's album Guitar featured such folks as Bill Monroe, Larry Sparks, and Josh Graves. In 1999, he released his album, Jimmy Martin, Songs for Dinner, with assistance from folks like J.D. Crow, Doyle Lawson, Bobby Hicks, and Art Stamper. The title song on this tribute to Jimmy Martin was written by Mr. Tom T. Hall, who was on Red Barn Radio, specifically for this album. In 2000, Brewer was nominated as a finalist twice by the International Bluegrass Music Association for Guitar Player of the Year. George Gruen, owner of Gruen Guitars in Nashville, has this to say about him Gary Brewer is to the guitar what Bill Monroe was to the mandolin. Incidentally, Gary also happens to have a world class collection of museum quality Martin guitars dating back to 1899. He happened to have brought a few with him this evening. So, Guitar Geeks, this is going to be one fun night of music and conversation with Gary Brewer and his sons, the Kentucky Ramblers.
1: Oh, the weather outside is frightful And the fire is so delightful Since we know place to go let it snow, let it snow, let it snow It doesn't show signs of stopping And I got some corn for popping The lights are turned down low Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow When we finally say goodnight how oh, I hate going out in the storm But if you could really hold me tight All the way home I'd be warm The fire is slowly dying And my dear, we'll still goodbye. Long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Oh, yeah, When we finally say good night. Oh, I hate going out in the storm. Well, if you could really hold me tight, all the way home I'd be warm. The fire is slowly dying, And my dear, will still be by. As long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow.
2: And by Visit Lex, Lexington, Kentucky's Convention and Visitors Bureau. Planning to visit Lexington or just looking for more information? Visit Lex is on the web at visitlex.com.
0: Gary Brewer and the Kentucky Ramblers are a family band with roots dating back six generations. They've traveled the road, performing in all 50 states, Canada and Europe extensively since forming in 1980. Today, GBKR takes the stage performing a fusion of American Roots-style music all their own, which they call Brewgrass. Despite being over four decades into his career, Gary Brewer is currently experiencing a new peak following the release of his 2020 album, 40th Anniversary Celebration. The band carried momentum into 2022 with a new single, Pass Along the Good, co-written with multi-Grammy award-winning Americana music icon Jim Lauderdale. Most recently, Gary has undertaken a fascinating project called House of Axes to share what he's learned over his years of collecting guitars. In a series of videos and audio recordings, Gary tells, in a way he can only do it, the great stories behind his instruments and how Martin guitars have evolved over the years and, and remain a standard in the industry. Gary joins us tonight with his sons Wayne and Mason, who will be with him on stage for a few numbers each set. We are pleased and proud to have with us this evening Gary Brewer and the Kentucky Ramblers. Our guest this evening on Red Barn Radio is Mr. Gary Brewer. Gary is here tonight with his sons, Wayne and Mason. They perform together at the Kentucky Ramblers. Gary is best known as the leader of that Kentucky Ramblers band. It's a family band in their 2020 release, their 40th anniversary celebration. Spent 16 weeks at number one on the Billboard Bluegrass Albums chart. It was number three best-selling project overall in 2021. And it landed, get this, between releases by Ariana Grande and Rob Zombie on the top current albums sales year end chart. Gary, I'd love to start talking about the Kentucky Ramblers.
1: I've been doing it a very, very, very long time. As you mentioned, both of the my sons have been in the band now for a number of years. So this makes uh soon be in a couple weeks it'll be forty four years.
0: Wow. How young were the boys when they started playing with you, performing with the Kentucky Ramblers?
1: Well, Wayne is the oldest. He is now 28 years old. Mason is 22. Wayne was when he was 19 months old. He recorded with me (laughs) in the studio, and he made the youngest recording artist in the world at 19 months old, really singing. He went on at three years old to be the youngest performer on the Grand Ole Opry with me. He's in the Guinness Book World Records for that. And then Mason come along, you know, five and a half years later. They've both been in it to make the short of it since they were really playing and singing past the cute stage, about two or three years old. Wow. So now they're, you know, 20 some odd year veterans themselves, self. And it's pretty amazing, you know, when I look back on it, you know.
0: You gotta be proud.
1: Well I'm very proud and very yeah. blessed.
0: Yeah. You know
1: They play all the instruments. Mason's our engineer at Brewess Studios. Wayne's my personal uh, manager and agent, and they take care of the bus. They take care of everything. They they take care of the old man. I can. Man. I just go in and they tell me where I'm going and what time to be on the bus, you know, and I. I go and, uh, and do it, and uh, I'm really enjoying it, you know.
0: Go back to the early days of the Kentucky Ramblers.
1: Well, those early days, you know, they, uh, they often say that the early days were hard, and uh, they were, because, you know, you're trying to introduce yourself to the world, if you will. And you're how
0: old at that time, when, in 19? Well, I
1: started at 14 years old. Okay. I come home from school and decided I was going to start a band, and... Thus the Kentucky Ramblers were born. Come on. I booked my first show, started my band, got my first record deal and everything when I was fourteen years old. I never worked for nobody else. I never did, you know, was a side man for this group or that group. I just started on my own and started writing my own material. Why I, I don't know. I'm glad I did. Songs started coming to me and pouring out and uh here I am. Fifty-two albums later, a lot of uh, folks have recorded my stuff, you know, but I have always been proud and and honored to go out and do my own stuff. But the early years, I couldn't even drive. you got to remember, at 14, so my parents, they're both gone now, but they were my number one fans, and Mm -hmm. uh, they bought a motorhome as I got more dates and would cart me to places to perform and get paid. A little funny tidbit. At fifteen, one of my school teachers, you know, said, uh, "Well, man, you got a you got a really cool thing going there. You know, it's just too bad you can't make any money at it." And I said, uh, "Well, last year, which would have been fourteen, I said, I grossed more than you made all year in three months in the summer." <laughs> and he didn't like that. Too I'm good. sure he didn't. It's been full on since then. Uh, this is the only career that I've ever known. And I've toured all 50 states and 18 countries in Europe and took Kentucky all over the world. I've been proud to do that. And it's so exhilarating, I guess, when I look back. All this has come, the Internet and social media and all yeah. this has come now. You can reach more audiences now than you could then. It it was always wheels turning. I have went through six, seven buses in my career and now I can reach all the way across the world right now and I used to tell the boys you know I'd say well back then you had to go get a band photo and it costed money to go get a professional photographer and then you had to go to right. a studio you couldn't do it on a home computer or any of those things and it's just changed a lot for, for the better the times were pretty lean and the festivals and the face of those have changed quite a bit, you know. It used to be fans would come in in tents and the VW yeah, vans right. and sure. things like that, and now people are coming in in three-quarter of a million-dollar motorhomes, you know, and watching the shows. So it's changed a whole lot, but it's all for the good. And I've always tried to be one foot in tradition and one foot going forward, you know. Yeah. And I'm just so happy and blessed to still sort of feel relevant you know, after this many years.
0: Now you're relevant.
1: interesting to hear you talk about schooling your kids who schooled you really myself not that I didn't have peers and things of that nature I feel so lucky to have been coming up in the business with the original first generation of our industry those guys were still around how wonderful that was you know to come off the stage and there stands this one and that one you know what I mean And they would give me ideologies, you know, of where to go and how to take my music and how to present it and things like that too. guys like Bill Monroe and Mike Wiseman and Jim and Jesse and the Osborne brothers. Those guys, Ralph Stanley, all those guys, the first generation were so good to me, always had time for me. They would um, compliment me and things like that, you know i appreciated that that they would take time to talk with me or maybe say hey i like what you're doing uh, things of that nature you know and there's so many that we don't have time to mention i want people to know that just so many but you know my dad was with me and he would say man that's a really good hot lick or you've learned this hot lick and that hot lick but don't do them all in one verse he would give me pointers like that and he's Don't play over people's heads. He's talking about the audience, you know. He said, make it where they can understand it. And I took that to heart because a lot of times I feel musicians, especially young musicians, it's just because they don't have the experience, but they'll get it. They play for the musician, like, look what I can do. The musician's not the one that buys the tickets to those shows. They're not the ones that buy the albums. You want to play to that audience and you want to give them what they want. And that's what I've tried to do my whole career is just if they like Gary Brewer and the Kentucky Ramblers on the radio, I wanted to be able to represent that live. Mm -hmm. So in other words, I didn't hire an orchestra in the studio and then go out on the concert tour with three people. I wanted to be real. And I wanted them to get what they liked. So
0: you're not necessarily
1: talking about dumbing the music down. You're talking about
0: just making it accessible, right? Yes. When your dad was saying to you, don't go over the head of the audiences, is that what he was talking about? Hug hug the melody a little bit more? Yes, sir. Make sure that they remember what the song is?
1: The theory was always, if you caught a song in the middle of the song, could you recognize it? Mm-hmm. Could you recognize what it was? Was it Wildwood Flower? Mm-hmm. Or was it just strictly improvising? There's nothing wrong with that, but what makes the song identifiable? Well, the melody of it, you know, of the song. I have always tried to incorporate the melody of the song, but I go around the edges too. I always wanted it to be recognizable. Now I think that's important for the audience because if you love a song, There's a reason why you love that song, and it's probably to do with the medley or the words.
0: Rodney Crowell, I was listening to him talk the other day, and he said, all of the very best and my most cherished instruments are ones that were given to me.
1: I'm at an event, a concert, uh, touring and performing, and somebody comes up and says, hey, man, (laughs) there's a guy sitting back here on a cinder block at a campfire playing this old Martin guitar, and he's trying to sell it. I'm like, you know, I should go check that out. You know, (laughs) yes, I'd go check it out. What are you wanting for it? You know, if I could afford to buy it, I thought, you know, I'll buy it. And just like we all do about anything, hey man, I'll flip it. Maybe I can make a few bucks on it, right?
0: So you can buy another instrument, even looking correct. Right.
1: That's how George Gruen got started. With that in mind. I thought, you know, I'll buy it and play it a little while, and then I'll sell it. And I'll... True
0: story here. Are you, are yes, you sir. telling a story about yes, sir. A, a guitar you picked up? Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah.
1: I would get one, and then I couldn't let it go. People would offer the money I asked for, and i uh I have decided not to sell it. And 100 guitars later, <laughs> I have sold some through the years. They were ones that didn't pique my interest or have a significant Story or something behind it. Little mm-hmm. around Joe sitting on a stump, a road down the hill went thump, thump, thump. Ah, 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 you and me, a little Round you don't no, I love you? From Farmer Jones, she was nothing but skin and bones. Dressed her up in the finest silk. She jumped the fence and strained her milk. Ha ha ha! You and me, a little brown you don't I love thee? Grab my gun And away I run ah, ha, ha me I did a brown joke they could fade this out because they said they'd like to have a dark uh, thing, you know, maybe that wasn't appropriate. So we'll throw this in. Don't let your mind run away, okay? See if I can remember the words out of it. Sue
2: We're back with more Red Barn Radio after this break. Red Barn Radio, Roots Music, Southern Style. We'll be right back.
1: My ding my ding I want you to play with my ding a always taught me when I got a hold of something good just hang on to it.
2: Welcome back. This is Red Barn Radio recorded live from the Arts Place Performance Hall in Lexington, Kentucky. Red Barn Radio, Roots Music, Southern Style.
1: I like to think that I've been somewhat of a forerunner just to the degree of staying afloat for 44 Mm. years. And I have mentored a whole lot of young players and performers about how to run a band, how to run a bus. I've never (laughs) leased a bus. I've always bought my own and run it. And I've taught my boys. I taught them, you get under that bus when we get home and you go over that bus. That's your life on the road. If you hear something odd, find out what it is because you'll save yourself a lot of money. You have to have your briefcase, your business (coughs) in one hand and your guitar in the other. Mm. And nobody taught me that. I learned the ropes by watching our first generation. Oddly enough, you can learn something every day. You never get to be where you can't learn. And it's just as important to watch A new band or a young band, a novice band, or a legend. And you can not only learn what to do, but it's just as important to learn what not to do.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And if you'll take all of that knowledge and mix it up in yourself and give somebody yourself. That's what I think I'd like to press to the young generation is we've already had. A whispering and Bill Anderson and a Ralph Stanley nice. and a Tiny Tim and a Elton John. <laughs> you know we've had yeah. everything that you can have. At our best, we can't be them, so we need to be ourselves. And how the music comes out can be dynamically the individual. Each guitar has a voice, all of its own, without a player. I like to take this guitar and help it speak what it speaks best. And each guitar has a different sound. Some of them are more mellow. Some of them are more this or that. And they have different voices. And my job as a performer and entertainer is to let this guitar speak what it does. If you think about what these guitars seen, where have they been, who's played them, how much money they've made, or whatever, the life they've lived. The industry knows me as, as collecting a lot of these pre-war guitars. I have over 100 vintage Martins. They'll always say, you know, my peers, which acts did you bring on sure. this concert? <laughs> what you got in the bus today? Yeah, right. And the idea come from my son Wayne, and he said, you know, we need to kindly do something that people can see some of your collection and hear it Answer a lot of those questions. So, thus, the House of Axes was born, and it started out just being a video of the actual songs being recorded. And then it was gaining popularity before it even came out. We decided to go ahead and release it as a CD. And now you purchase the CD, and in there's a QR code, and you scan that, and you get the live video of the actual recording with these museum quality guitars all of them are first cut live cuts just like tonight i'm an old school dude i play it if it's perfect great if it's a if there's a flub it's on there and i think that's real i like that i want somebody to see and hear the real thing There's nothing like hearing live music in the audience. That's Mm. the best. Everybody can't come to that live audience. So how do you give them that feel of being there and not lose the feel of that? Like on this record here, The House of Axis, I had all the microphones set on zero. And the enthusiasts out there, even people that don't know the music business, they can relate to this. If you get in your car stereo and you turn on your volume to number five, so many times when you're hearing something on the radio, number five is a good place where you can hear it good, but you can still function. And then the next song comes on, and it's on a three, and you have to turn it up. And then all of a sudden the announcer comes on, and it's on a eight. And those discrepancies in that are fluid, well, I wanted this record to be strictly organic to where they get the feel of the difference sounds of these instruments. Even though they're not there, they can hear the difference in the instrument because the microphones are not being fooled with. They're not having... Effects put on them and things of that nature. so when I pick up one of these guitars to you folks that's out there listening right now, nothing's being altered. It's the pure voice, if you will, of that guitar. Mm-hmm. and I can play one guitar and grab another one and play it, and you'll hear the the differences in those instruments. Some of them will be like the kind of bluesy number a moment ago. Yeah, It's pretty nasty. You know, the guitar sounds nasty. That's a good thing. Yeah. But then you have another one that's very subtle. And different guitars have different voices, much like me and you and anyone listening. And if you altered those voices, like I mentioned a minute ago, nobody isn't really getting the authentic voice and this is what I wanted to do with this record. I wanted them to have the opportunity to sit in their car or on the treadmill or wherever they listen to music, okay, and feel like they were in that room with that guitar and that player, which is me. Real mama sent me to Spring, she told me not to stay. I fell in love with a pretty little girl and I could not get away. Chow and chew and gum, chewing, and chow and gum, chow and chew and gum, chewing, and chaw and To stay, feeling love for the little girl could not get away. Chaw and chewing gum, chewing, chaw and gum, chaw and chewing gum, chewing, chaw and gum. Well, I wouldn't marry a doctor, man. i tell you the reason why each time my chiggers itch. I'm telling you, right now, and he's a friend of mine. One of the biggest country stars in our field right now is Chris Stapleton. He's a former bluegrasser. Okay, mm-hmm. right now he's going out solo a lot, just him. Very listen to what I'm saying. Very organically, him and a guitar. I wonder if our listeners out there heard him sing at the. Super Bowl, him and a guitar, best version I think I've ever heard, organic. You've got guys like Travis Tritt, big country star, his daughter's out playing now. He's going and doing solo acts, just him and a guitar. Marty Stewart, he's going out on some dates, just him and a man one. Hmm. I wonder why that is. I don't wonder why. Hmm. I know why.
0: Yep. People want intimacy, they want a person, they want to feel like they're connecting with a person.
1: Yes, sir. They Um, want organic, they don't want smoke and mirrors. That's the best way to say it. my all-time favorite stories, and it is the most Holy Grail guitar that I have. Furthermore, not to boast, but it is the most Holy Grail guitar in the world today. I mean that. Martin does not even have one in the museum. It is a 1899 single-aught herringbone, all original. And how I acquired this guitar, there should be a book on it. But I will condense it. I was in Louisville, and I had my big uh, bluegrass festival in Louisville for over 20 years called Strictly Bluegrass, a festival I organized and produced. Everyone's familiar with the Pegasus Parade during the Kentucky Derby. So the city asked me to go down and basically walk in the parade and promote my festival. So I got me a little prop guitar, meaning not really a player's guitar didn't even have strings on it. And I turned it on the back like this, and I got some masking tape, and I wrote thanks on it, like Ernest Tubb. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So I'm walking through <laughs> all these thousands and thousands of people, you know, advertising my festival. Then when you get to the end of the parade, they put you on a city bus and take you back to the beginning, you do it again. You know, you, you do it till it's done. So on this bus trip, I'm sitting there, and this little old lady, no disrespect, she says, play me one on that guitar. And I said, well, honey, I said, it's just a prop guitar. You know, it doesn't even have strings, you know. She said, you know, I've got a little guitar like that. She said, it's an Italian guitar. Something like a, I believe it's a (laughs) martini. My radar goes off, of course, and I said... uh, an Italian she said, Yeah, it's an Italian. She said, My grandmother bought it new, and my mom and and it's come down through our family. Would it be a Martin? She said, No, it's an Italian, it's a martini. Uh. <laughs> she said, You know, I would just almost give that to somebody if I knew they could play it. You know. I sat there on that bus on this trip. It seemed it was only like five minutes, but it seemed like five hours. And the hair got standing up on the back of my neck. As I told her I'd give her my card, and I said, you know, give me a call sometime. I'll come look at it. And I got this study, and I thought, I better get her number.
0: <laughs> Good idea. You
1: know what I mean? So I did. That was on the weekend. On Tuesday, the following week, I called her up, and me and my dad went up there to her home. And I got up there, and she'd come carrying out this guitar in the case. And it was an 1899 single-lot herringbone. Didn't know really what it was. I knew enough to be dangerous. It had herringbone binding, and it was 13 and a half inches across the uh, the bridge here, which signifies the single-lot 28 herringbone. I basically called a friend of mine uh, at Gruen's, and I said, here's this serial number, man. What, what am I looking at? You know, what what is this? And they said, you have that guitar in front of you? I said, yeah. They said, you got a tape measure? And I said, no. She said, well, I've got a yardstick. Now, this woman's pushing 90. So she gets yardstick, and he said, please tell me it's 13 inches across right here. I said, that's exactly what it is. He said, under no circumstances are you to leave that house without that guitar. And I said, honey, what do you want for the guitar? She said, well, I really don't know. Would you make me an offer? Now, I want everybody to listen to this. You're supposed to always do the right thing, right? So she said, "Ah, how about so, such and such amount of money? I said, honey, the guitar's worth much more than that. She said, well, you just name the price. And it's undisclosed. I won't tell anybody. But I give her three times what she asked for the guitar. It's priceless. The guitar is priceless. I told her that. And she said, it's going to lay under my bed until it rots. So that's one thing about living to be in your 90s. All your friends and family die. She's outlived everybody. What a nice gift to myself. It was my birthday, Mm. April the 19th. She said, well, you're such a good, uh, honest person and treating me right on this guitar. She said, I was going to keep something that went with that guitar but I want you to have it. She brings me an 8x10 a black and white picture of her mother in the 20s in a businesswoman's ensemble in Louisville with this guitar. It was a big room with small desks and typewriters, and I would guess that there was probably 50 women sitting at these typewriters in this photo, and each one of the little desk areas they were sitting in, they all had instruments. And she was up front with this guitar. And here's the clincher. On that guitar, there was a capo. Okay, This is in the 20s. Like the capos we use now that stay on the guitar, like the Pages and McKinney's and all the guitars, that uh, capos that are like that. And here it was in the 20s. I found that really intriguing. That capo is made out of copper and brass. The part that goes on the strings was stitched leather. Brown, stitched leather with red stitching. The leather has been decayed. It's still there to this day. And that was on that in that picture on that guitar. And she gave me that picture and that capo with that. And that's one of my most prized possessions. And I feature that on the two medley songs I played a minute ago because of the error that those songs come out, and that's when it was. Ah. And I played that on the guitar. That's the one I used the fingers and not the pitch.
2: Thanks so much for listening. I'm Kathy Stamps.
0: There are many people to thank for our program. First, Gary Brewer, Wayne Brewer, and Mason Brewer are our guests this evening. Red Barn Radio comes to you from our home, the Arts Place Performance Hall in downtown Lexington, Kentucky. Our website has updates and further information on our program. We're on the web at redbarnradio.com. While you're on the web, you can sign up for our weekly email newsletter. It'll let you know who's coming up next with bio and links on our upcoming guests. That's news at Red Barn Radio. Put subscribe in the header. Now, before we close out tonight's program, can we bring back Gary Brewer and the Kentucky Ramblers for one more number? It's been great fun.